now have you be seated before we get into our gospel reading today. I want to share a couple of things before we get into it, so we won't have you stand through all that. So today we're going to hear a whole bunch of parables, and the first thing to know is that parables aren't like a fable. It's not like they just have one thing to tell us, but they can be heard in multiple different ways, and they can speak to us in different ways depending on what's happening in our lives or on how the Holy Spirit chooses to work on us through God's Word. So we it might have the Holy Spirit work on us in one way to shape us through a parable one year, and then we hear it the next year, and it might shape us differently that year. The second thing to know is Jesus is going to tell all these parables that the kingdom of heaven is like. And when you hear that phrase, kingdom of heaven, I think we sometimes think place or think of heaven. But in the Gospels, when you hear the word kingdom, Matthew talks about kingdom of heaven, Luke refers to it as kingdom of God, so same thing. But when the gospel writers refer to kingdom, in the original language of the scripture, it wasn't a place. It meant God's ruling activity. So when you hear Jesus saying the kingdom of heaven is like this, try to hear God's activity, God's ruling activity is like this. Let's read the Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 13th chapter. Jesus put before them, the crowd, another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. And then he tells the next parables just to the disciples. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which someone found and hid. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, and put the good into baskets but threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then this is one of my favorite parts. Jesus said, have you understood all this? And what would be your answer? Have you understood all this? They say, yes, <laughs> like, let's move on. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household that brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. The gospel of the Lord. So we are like scribes who hear the treasure of God's word, and then the Holy Spirit works through it to shape us in new ways today. Now, one of the last parables we heard about the activity of God was that it's like a net. And there's this word of judgment in there, this weeping and gnashing of teeth, which Matthew likes to include in a whole lot of parables. And when you contrast that with the Romans reading that we heard this morning, that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, it might make us pause. Like, how do we interpret these two scriptures in light of each other? For those of us who have not had physical enemies, who have not been in the midst of war ourselves, or those of us who have not experienced oppression, 
they may not realize what kind of hope this offers. So Jesus tells this parable about God throwing a net wide and pulling in people of all kinds or pulling in all kinds of fish. And then at the end of the age, the angels pull out the good and the evil. This is meant to be a word of promise. If you think about those who have experienced hard oppression or those who have experienced uh, violence against them, it's meant to be a word of promise that at the end, God's holy justice will prevail. God will bring that about. Now, some other scholars note that we often hear this parable is individualistic or personal, like it's separating out righteous and evil people. And Jesus might have meant it that way. But another way to look at it is that in the kingdom of God, when God's activity rules, what things don't belong anymore? What things don't belong in our lives anymore or in this world anymore when God's activity is ruling? These scholars ask what structures, what institutions, what sinful systems of humanity simply can't be here anymore? We have such a tendency to individualize the parable, but certain things have to go if justice and righteousness and peace are to flourish, right? There's certain things in our lives that do need to be separated out or in our world that do need to be separated out for God's activity to take root and grow. And I think it might be an opportunity for us, you know, we do confession and forgiveness at the start of worship every week, but it might be an opportunity for us in the week ahead to each day ask God, what in my life do I need to let go of? What does need to be cleared out so that your activity can rule all the more? Or what systems, or what things do I need to intentionally not be a part of in my world? I think of racism. What do I intentionally need to work to not be a part of so that God's activity, Jesus' activity can flourish? Now, we heard several parables today, and we're just going to focus on the first two now. The one about the mustard seed and the one about the yeast. So I shared in children's time that the mustard seed can be heard one way. It can be heard that it starts small and then it grows and it creates something that provides care and shelter. And I think that's a hopeful vision for us and that's absolutely a faithful way to hear it. But parables can be heard more than one way. So another way to hear the parable of the mustard seed is like this. In Jesus' time, mustard wasn't seen as some nice plant that you wanted. And if Jesus is comparing his kingdom to a tree that shelters birds, he could have picked far nicer and bigger trees. But he chooses mustard, of all things. In Jesus' time, mustard was a weed. It was like crabgrass. And what happens with crabgrass? Once it gets in the field, it can take over. It was a nuisance. So as he shares this parable to this crowd, what did they hear? The kingdom of heaven, the activity of God, is like a weed that can't take over. And when I think about that, as I say that now, I think there is some promise in that. Like that there are places in my life where I would like God's work to take over like a weed, right? And the second parable is almost the same. You have this woman who's hiding yeast in a huge batch of flour. It's enough flour to feed 100 to 150 people. Now our translation said she mixes it in. But the original language, the original word there is important. It's actually that she hides it. She hides it in the flower. And to our modern ears, once again, I think we can hear at sometimes, it seems like God's work in our lives or this world is hidden. 
it's hard to see, but we have this promise that it takes over everything, that it can do that. And I think that, again, is a faithful way to hear this parable. But there's also another way to hear it. One seminary professor noted that the yeast in the parable is misnamed. Today, yeast comes in those tiny little packets, or if you bake a lot of bread in a jar. How many of you pictured that when you pictured the yeast? I know I did. I pictured myself opening up a little tiny packet and putting it in. What Jesus is talking about is leaven, which is a rotting, molding lump of bread that would be mixed in and would cause it to rise. And one of my former seminary teachers shared that there's some speculation that if the woman is hiding the yeast in the bread, maybe it was bread that was meant to be unleavened that was not supposed to rise. And if she's hiding it in there, it kind of corrupts, it changes the whole batch in a surprising way. So why does Jesus compare the kingdom of heaven, the activity of God, to a weed, or to a contaminant that once it's hidden and is there, it surprisingly changes everything? One more person wrote this, and I think this is really helpful. He wrote that both mustard seed and a yeast have this way of spreading beyond anything you'd imagine, taking over everything they are a part of. And then he asks, might God's kingdom be like that, far more potent than we'd imagined, and ready to spread to every corner of our lives, perhaps in surprising ways? I think the big question for us is, don't we each have areas in our lives that need God's work to take over, that need Jesus' work to spread even into those places in ourselves we rather keep hidden or we want to ignore or pretend aren't there? It might be the places where we are very comfortable, maybe too comfortable. Like we like how things are for us so we don't see any motivation to change anything for anybody else or to help anyone else. Or it could be how we perceive or think about others. Maybe even people in the church, maybe there's someone we've met and we're like, I think I know all I want to know about them and I don't want to get to know them better. Or maybe it's a group of people we see out there that we are tempted to judge. It could be areas in our lives where we tend to hold back and keep what we have for us and our own because we're supposed to care for us and our own instead of giving where there's great need for those who have, don't have someone to care for them. We forget that all God's people are God's own. Or it could be an area in our life where we have a habit or a hurt that we keep hanging onto that's destructive for us or the people around us. And we might need the outside help of a therapist or a life coach to make a change that we've been reluctant to change. I wonder, are we ready for God's activity to spread into every dusty corner of our lives? Change and changing systems can be difficult, even when it's good change. Several years ago, I heard an interview with Archbishop Desmond Tutu. He lived through and struggled through apartheid in South Africa and experienced horrible oppression from people who are white there. He talked about the Bible in this interview, and he mentioned how discovering the Bible can be dynamite. He said, and this is how he put it, if these white people had intended keeping us under, they shouldn't have given us the Bible because, whoa, it's almost as if it's written specifically for your situation. And the person interviewing said, what do you mean? Can you give an example? And he shared, discover that apartheid sought to mislead people that wealth is what gave 
value to a human being. He said, discover that apartheid is what sought to mislead people, that some people are biologically irrelevant. And he said, then you saw how the scriptures say, it is because we are created in the image of God, each one of us is a God carrier, no matter what our circumstance, that doesn't take away from you this intrinsic worth. And so he said, one saw how significant that scripture was. Most of his parishioners were domestic workers, not very educated. But he said, when they ask, who are you? He said, most white leaders would call most black women, they just call her Annie. And most black men, they just call boy. But he said, when they ask, who are you? Say, me. I'm a God carrier. I'm God's partner. I'm created in the image of God. And he said, you could see those dear old ladies as they walked out of church on that occasion as if they were on cloud nine. They walked with their backs slightly straighter. The truth of the gospel lifting them up, the Holy Spirit working through God's word to reshape their lives and help them and us know who we are. And that is what God's word does for us today. It helps us see ourselves and all of life in a new way, that we are moved to something different than what this world offers. There are all these things that try to convince us that we are other than what we are, that we are precious and valuable in Jesus' sight and nothing can change that, and that every single one of us here is sent out with a purpose. Might we be even more open to God's life-giving and healing activity that it can spread to all areas of our lives and will spread to all areas of our lives, even the dustiest corners we try to hide. We live with this promise that God's life-giving and healing activity will one day spread to every corner of this earth. Thanks be to God. Amen.